podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a go and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. The boy there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, she's a natural, it's Davina. It's game week 32, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. Guys, I had a brand new signing last week in Jackie. Um, We've brought in another brand new signing. As I mentioned last week, um, it might be transfer windows over for the Premier League, but certainly not for A Tad Predictable. Um, And we felt something was missing in terms of team representation. Uh, because our defending champion for Bank It or Burn It, or former champion, should I say, she's not defending it this year, but our former champion was a Spurs fan. And as I was saying, the, the suits upstairs, upstairs, so to speak, have been trying to make sure Guy Drinkle doesn't win Bank It or Burn It this year. Um, so they've brought in another Spurs fan. Hopefully that's a good omen for her. But Davina, welcome to the show. And do you feel pressure now? Ooh. That's a big title to be living up to. Um, thank you so much for having me on. And um, yeah, hopefully I can uh, get that trophy for Spurs and put that in our trophy cabinet. If, if it's <laughs> just a clean sweep for Spurs the entire time, I think we might get to a point where Spurs fans do get banned from, from competing <laughs> on Bank it or Burn It. But at the moment, uh, that's not the case. And we start off in, I guess, a contentious way because we start off in terms of the game week fixtures with Arsenal, uh, they will be entertaining Southampton. Now, probably a better day for you after, you know, what happened yesterday with regards to Arsenal. They started mm-hmm. off on fire. Um, I thought that game was pretty much done and dusted in in the first 20 minutes. But West Ham come back, they get the 2-2 draw with them. How do you feel that puts Arsenal in terms of, they're still top of the league, um, mm-hmm. They face Southampton, who are bottom of the league. I mean, this is every game's a must-win for Arsenal at the moment. But surely this one is, of all the games, a game that they they cannot afford to lose. I think you know every game has been a must-win for Arsenal. When you have a team like City trying to capitalise on any mistake that you could make, but after yesterday, after the game against Liverpool the week before, I think. With Southampton like solidified at the bottom of the Premier League, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, they are looking like they will definitely be relegated, and you know they lost against Palace as well. So um, I, I, it will be a tough game, even if it is at home at the Emirates. It, it will definitely be a tough game. They're going to be up for it. So um, Arsenal, I think, as much as it hurts me to say, I think they will be able to deal with what Southampton have to offer. But um, they need to move on from these last two capitulations that they've had in the second half, get their heads together and uh, roll over a team like Southampton, which they definitely have the quality to do. Yeah, I agree with you in that sense. They, they, I think the thing with City is, um, and I've been calling City the entire season the freight train, because mm-hmm. once City get going towards the end of the season, they are a very, very difficult team to stop. And... It almost feels like, um, you know, me having been a Liverpool fan that has suffered the wrath of, of City the last couple of years, you have to finish them off by February. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. if, if they get a sniff of, of, of something that, you know, a potential to go and win the Premier League, they, they just seem formidable. Um, their players have been there and done it. A lot of the Arsenal players haven't. Um, so that mm-hmm. might play a factor as well. But yeah, in terms of this game, I think Arsenal's focus should just be on just 
as easy as it might say sound to say, just win the game. Nothing fancy, just go and get a result to sort of stop this stall that they've had, the stutter they've had with back-to-back draws. Um, in terms of Southampton, it's it will be interesting to see if it's one of those situations where you're starting to actually not want to play the teams in the relegation zone because mm-hmm. it, it's live or die for them now. They have to get something from them from games or is it well they're there for a reason and Arsenal just go and dispatch them um, in terms of score predictions um, I'm, I think Arsenal get back on track which makes it a tasty game for their next fixture against Man City but I, I've gone with a 3-1 Arsenal win I'm, I'm still not confident with Saliba out um, that Rob Holding will will be able to help them keep a clean sheet maybe we see that fighting spirit from Southampton with the goal here but I've predicted 3-1 H- how are you leaning towards um, in terms of score predictions? I was going to go 2-1. Again, not confident in them keeping a clean sheet. Uh, but I've also got Saka to score. Uh, hopefully, sort of like pick himself up after that penalty miss, which he definitely must be gutted about. But um, yeah, I, I'm, going, I'm going for a 2-1 score prediction. 2-1 to Arsenal. But, and as we said, yes. I suppose for them, it's it's just getting back on track. Um, let's move on to a team that did get back on track in Fulham. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been a bit quite disappointing of late. No wins in their last five games. And then they go mm-hmm. and pull off the 3-1 win against Everton. I mean, if, you, if you're struggling for form, I guess that's one of the teams you would have wanted to play. I, I was surprised. <laughs> I was surprised with um, maybe the performance for Everton at home because I would have thought mm-hmm. that's, that's their bread and butter for for the rest of the season. But in terms of Fulham, um, maybe now that it's a couple of games into Mitrovic's ban, they've gotten a, you know enough training and, and a way of playing where it's not as focal point based as, as it was when, when he was there. And you know, we, mm-hmm. we saw goals coming from midfield from them, you know, runners coming from midfield and stuff like that. For Leeds, I, I'm going to be honest, I've enjoyed watching Leeds this season. I just think they don't have goals in them. But in terms of build-up play, in terms of exciting wide players, Notto's been one of the you know, breakout players, so to speak, this season. They've looked good. They've looked tidy. They just can't put the ball in the back of the net. And, and that's been to their detriment for a lot of games this season, more so last time we saw them. You know, that 5-1 sort of capitulation they had mm-hmm. against Crystal Palace. They play Liverpool tonight at time of recording. Um, so we, we obviously don't have the latest score predict, um, score score line from them but putting that Liverpool game aside I guess um, for the time being how do you see them handling a Fulham side who as I said get that win but surely Leeds will be trying to, to to just solidify the fact that they're still in the Premier League this season because they're, tw- they're in 29 points um Mm-hmm. Two points clear of relegation at the moment. It, it's looking a bit hairy at the moment. Yeah, that's the thing with Leeds. Like they play some very good football. They play good attacking football. The thing which I've noticed, like watching them this season, is that I don't think they're willing to change their tactics when they go like one nil down, two nil down, three nil down, whatever. Um, it's it's sort of like this is our one way that we play, and we're going to stick with that. Um, they yeah, like exactly what you said. I'm just repeating that. It's just they play some brilliant football. They just can't. They don't have that quality in the final third to actually finish. So um, I think like on paper they're pretty equal. I know Leeds are fairly down the bottom, and um, they what are they? They're 16th, so the two points clear. And they've got some interesting fixtures coming up after that. I think they play Leicester and they play Bournemouth as well. So um, they'll be they'll be hoping to to get something out of that game. I was thinking like a one one draw. Every point counts, so that's what I've got as my score prediction. Yeah, and I guess away from home as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that they would take at this point in time. Um, hopefully for their fans, it's a win tonight and then a draw next week. Four from six. I, I think that's a great. Mm-hmm. A great way to sort of build your your campaign to stay up. Um, from my perspective, yeah, I know Leeds got the three goals uh, this past week, but I mean Fulham got the three goals this past week. I'm not sure if they can repeat that sort of 
attacking yeah. performance um, in this game. I'm seeing it being close as well, and I have one one as all uh, as well. So that that's quite interesting, and I guess that's harmonious in that sense. But we'll see how that game goes. Let's move on to a team that would flying high. I think they've struggled a bit of late in Brentford against mm-hmm. arguably one of the most informed teams at the moment with Ollie Watkins up front, much to the chagrin of my fantasy team because um, I, I kept Ivan Tony in. I knew I should have brought Watkins in. And yeah, it's 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 been to my detriment this, these past couple of weeks. Mm, I have Watkins in my fantasy. <laughs> oh, he's really, he's really saved me. I have honestly a smile on my face when I watch Villa play football, like especially recently. I think whatever Emery is cooking at Villa is working and I'm honestly like when I watched that when I watched that game I was like they play some brilliant football I'm actually worried that they might finish above us which is such a, we we still have to play them away and um I've been I've been worrying about top four but I mean they could they could pip us and finish fifth or even if we finish seventh they, they've got a real solid chance for European football and I think that'll be absolutely amazing for them um, they've got some good quality and, yeah, proper free-flowing attacking football. They just seem to be improving strength to strength. Like, again, yeah, with Brentford, I mean, they're not, they're sort of like a shell of a team that we've seen them be the rest of the season. They've picked up some some decent results over the season, but uh, hmm, they've, they've been struggling to find recent form and, I took Tony out of my fantasy football team as well. So, uh, yeah, Watkins has really helped me with that one. Yeah, and, and, you know, it must have been a sign from the gods because usually on a tab predictable, we pick a team to root for for the season, or just a mm-hmm. neutral team that um, gets voted on with people behind the scenes. And this season, it we didn't have a team until... Steven Gerrard got fired by Aston Villa and somehow, miraculously, I'm being told, um, oh yeah, by the, team, by, by the way, we've picked a team for the season, it's Aston Villa, um, you know, and I thought something political had happened there with the suits upstairs in terms of how we got to there and, and why it took so long to, to pick a team for the season. But I think they've done quite a good job. It's been a fun team to watch and root for from that perspective. And yeah, Una Emery working wonders there. Um, I was a harsh critic of Gerard as their manager. I, I think he was not utilizing the squad to the best of their abilities, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've seen with with Unai Emery that he's some of their games he's simplified, like Tyron Mings, who's someone I think that can be clumsy at times in defense, or if he gets asked to do way too much, starts making unforced errors. He's basically just. If you get the ball, clear it. Don't, don't, you don't worry about, you know, the build-up play or anything like that. Um, we've got other players around you that can do that. And I think it's really, really helped him out. In terms of score predictions for this one, maybe a couple of weeks back, I'm thinking a draw because it would have mm-hmm. been a, a, I think it would have been a really, really fun game between two teams in form, so to speak. Now, with the way Brentford are playing at the moment, with Aston Villa in the ascendancy, and as you mentioned, trying to, you know, elbow and shoulder their way into that top four conversation, I think they get another win here. And that would just be sensational for them in terms of putting pressure on on, on the teams that were above them and, and trying to close them down. I've gone for a 2-1 Brentford win. In, I mean, 2-1 Aston Villa win here. How are you leaning? I went for 3-1 Villa win. And I've got Watkins to score two. <laughs> yeah. You know what, I... I'm at that point where I don't know if I bring him in now. I'm probably going to curse him for everyone else. So if he stops <laughs> scoring, just know that I, I must have brought him into, into my fantasy team. But yeah, 3-1 with Watkins getting on the score sheet again would be a good shout. And mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that affects your Bank or Burnett predictions a bit later down the line. But mm-hmm. let's move on to Crystal Palace versus Everton. Now, I mean, the Roy Hodgson appointment in hindsight now looks like an absolute revelation for them three wins on the bounce they're scoring goals all of a sudden um i was one of the biggest critics of roy hudson being brought back in i thought it was premature getting rid of Vieira. i thought um 
you know, they got rid of him just when the fixtures started getting good and uh, and at least allowed him an opportunity to get back, you know, um, you know, get back on the winning track and all of that. But yeah, I mean, they're playing Everton, who, as I said, I, I guess I wasn't too kind to earlier. I, I saw your reaction when I was mentioning Everton and, and the performance that they gave last time against Fulham. But what are your thoughts on Crystal Palace versus Everton? And maybe if you want to share on, you know, Roy Hodgson coming in, Vieira being let go. Do, do you have an opinion on that one? I really respected Vieira as a manager. I think he got Palace playing some good football. And when he got the sack, I was quite shocked because uh, I didn't think Palace had been horrible. I mean, they'd had they'd had a few bad results, but when Woodson got appointed, I was like, surely not, surely not. The group chat was like, here we go again. But I mean, it seems like a bunch made in heaven. They're on brilliant form. Uh, they've been scoring loads of goals. Again, free-flowing attacking football. I don't know what it is about the second half of the season. Like Teams which have been dead in the mud have been rejuvenated and... Yeah, it's it seems to be working for them. Uh, yeah, Everton, Everton, Everton seems to be dropping points against everyone except they had to really score a last minute equaliser against Tottenham. Um, that's I'm still hurting from that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm still hurting from that one. That's imagine. why that was my that was why I gave you that look. Um, with well, it seems to be the team everyone wants to be playing, not for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, they. It would be a real shame if Everton go down. I mean, they're ever-present in the Premier League and I can't believe that with, they do have a quality squad. And for them to be in contention for relegation is appalling. I do think Palace are going to win. I've I've got it down for a 2-1. Uh, I think Everton will score. But uh, Palace are building on their momentum and, uh, yeah, I've gone for a 2-1 win. Interesting. Yeah, I've gone a 1-0 Palace win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you in terms of continuing to build that momentum. And Salas Park, for me, is one of my favorite grounds to go to. I mm-hmm. think they really get up for it. But in, in terms, I, I guess it really depends what time the game is, in my opinion. Um, the late kickoffs at Salas Park are, are some of the best. But obviously, this one's at 3 o'clock. Um, the, the, the dead zone, so to speak, if you're here in the UK, you can't watch it in terms mm-hmm. of it's not showing on TV here, but if you guys do link up with our sponsors, Liberty Shield, they're a VPN provider. Um, you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. Obviously, this podcast is presented by Liberty Shield and EPLindex.com. Um, Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, so it's a virtual private network. It's a technology that encrypts your internet traffic, protects your online identity, and hides your IP address. It can shield your online data from third parties. You guys can change your locations and you can avoid geoblocks, government-imposed restrictions, all of that kind of crazy stuff. And again, in terms of those three o'clock dead zone games, um, you can you know get a Peacock account for the US. Just log on to your Liberty Shield, change your location to the US. You can watch all the games. Um, as I always say, I usually use the South African side of things and watch it on DSTV. They they have every single Premier League game on there, so no fuss for me doesn't matter what time the game is I, I always get to watch it at the moment the nba uh, playoffs have started so i've been able to watch all the games obviously quite late at night for us here in in the uk or early in the morning depending on how you look at it but through liberty shield i've been able to watch every single game no fuss whatsoever it's a really really cool um product to have it's also the number one voted um, vpn on Trustpilot, which is always a good thing um, and then, guys, you guys can also go check out the EPL Index shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. Um, yeah, so in terms of this game, yeah, I've gone 1-0 to Palace. As I said, one of those games where they continue the, the momentum. Roy Hodgson, late shout for manager of the season. <laughs> it just <laughs> continues. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think I would have ever thought that would have happened in terms of predictions. That's definitely not one I would have thought of predicting this year. But let's move on to our next fixture. Um, we've got Leicester versus Wolves. And I think this is the last one that qualifies for your Bank It or Burn It segment. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing this, this game going against two sides who, I guess, at the beginning of the season were probably expecting to be a lot higher than where they currently are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leicester, 19th. 
again, like they they have the quality to not be fighting for relegation. They, I mean, their biggest win this half of the season was against us, and that's when I sort of thought that they would be rejuvenated and start, you know, climbing their way back up the table. But after then, it's just been loss after loss after loss, and yeah, especially after the game um, at the weekend, it's just been. Hmm, it's not looking good for them, and as much as I would hate to say it, with given like Tottenham Leicester's history, it would be a shame for them to go down as well. Wolves, I think they're very hit and miss. I don't think they're consistent enough at the minute. They again have some absolute quality players to not be thirteen. I think they should be well in the conversation for at least like Europa League football, if not Conference League football. So for them to be Saturday 30, they just can't find the consistency. I mean, one week they'll play brilliantly, one week they'll be, you know, playing half heartedly. And it's just, um, yeah, like I said, hit and miss. I've gone for a score prediction of 2 2. Um, I know that's a bit rogue, but I think, you know, Leicester will come out fighting. Um, I don't think they'll, they'll have enough to pick up the three points, but they need to start getting those points on the board if they if they even want to start thinking about staying in the Premier League and avoiding going down to the Championship. Yeah, and especially looking at a team that's been inconsistent like Wolves, mm. those are games you have to target. I mean, I can't remember the last time Leicester won a game, certainly not in their last five games, if I, you know, looking at their, their results recently. For me, I think Dean Smith coming in, is it inspiring? Not really. It, no. it, it feels like bringing in a manager that you know can bring you back up. But again, he's only been brought in until the end of the season and then they're going to reassess. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed by Leicester City, but there have been murmurs from the financial side of things that maybe they don't have the financial power that they had in recent years. So that could be a factor as well in, in who they were able to bring in. And, and Dean Smith maybe gave them a, a team-friendly deal in that sense. But yeah, in, in terms of this game, Wolves have back-to-back wins um, of mm-hmm. late. It hasn't been pretty. Uh, even the, the win against Brentford, who haven't been playing well, Wolves didn't necessarily dominate the entire game, but were clinical enough. Does Diego Costa have it in him to score back-to-back <laughs> games? I, I don't know. I think, I think he's got one every odd or so game, you know, every now and then. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone with a 1-1 draw. Not mm-hmm. as ambitious as you in terms of score lines, but I, I can see these teams leveling out, and I don't know if it helps either of them uh, getting a draw at this stage. They they need wins and they need them badly. But speaking of winning things, um, it's time for bank it or burn it. But before we get into it, uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with you after this. And we are back. Bank it or burn it is about to go. Um, Davina, obviously, we've we've put the pressure on you already, mentioning that uh, the former champion is a Spurs fan. Uh, you, of course, are a Spurs fan. Season ticket holder, I believe, as well? Yep, season ticket holder, yeah. How, how did that come about in terms of supporting Spurs? Is it, you know, um, I think Jodie mentioned she didn't have a choice um, <laughs> with, due to her family. Um, but I don't know for you, did you have a choice? Did you, how did you get into it? Uh, my dad is a Spurs fan and he again chose that as a really rogue decision. So half of my family are United fans, half of them are Liverpool fans. My dad decided to be different. Um, I've grown up um, in Northwest London. Spurs are like the closest Premier League club to us as well. So he definitely wanted us to be able to like go to games and like have, not have to travel like five hours to get to our ground so um yeah chose Tottenham um put that onto me and my brother which sometimes we regret sometimes <laughs> like yesterday on Saturday I messaged him after the game because uh, he's not in the country at the minute and I was like dad I need, I need a formal apology like <laughs> I sat I sat through that while Bournemouth scored like a last minute winner against us who no manager no director of football I mean it's just this season's been heartbreaking, but um, yeah, I'm big Spurs fan myself. My dad, my brother, like growing up, going to the football, like having that having that bond as well. So um, yeah, now I've got season ticket. Um, so very much uh, true fan. 
awesome stuff. Yeah, I, I was there at Spurs' last game against Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, selfishly, personally, I, I, I was saying I, I was there scouting Moises Casado because I of think course. he's a phenomenal player. <laughs> phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting to watch that game. Um, obviously, a lot of decisions in terms of VAR regarding that game as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a nice ground, nice stadium, nice team. There's potential there for growth in terms of what Spurs could do. I feel Levy's kind of a handbrake at the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think they it, it it's probably not what Spurs want to hear if you say maybe take a, a, a page out of Arsenal's book. But I do think Spurs, if they can commit to a manager for four years and say irrespective of how things go with that manager, we're going to give you four years to rebuild this team. Because at the moment, it seems the goal is just to make top four. That's it. It, it, it doesn't go beyond it. If we win a trophy, great. But there's no... Everything's so short-term. Every year, it's just about, can we get into top four? And, and it doesn't grow from there. Whereas maybe taking a step backwards to be able to launch to go forwards. I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn here, but that's mm-hmm. how I feel when, when, I, when I look at Spurs' situation at the moment. Yeah, I, honestly, I completely agree. I think... I'm quite vocal about like how our, how the owners run our club that it's sort of like as soon as they reach their bare minimum, which is like I don't even think top four. I think if we're playing European football, they're like yeah, job done. And again with the manager hunt, like we've not had a manager last a whole season since Poch wow. in 2019. It's been four years since then. Every single year, I mean, we haven't given a manager a full season, and we keep appointing like different types of managers. You know, for some reason. We had Mourinho, then we had Nuno and Conte. And it's like, if one way is not working, having the serial winner and they've won trophies at every single club, but when they come to Tottenham, there are just so many different things which go on and we're that one club which they can't win a trophy at. You know what? I, I completely agree. Like, we, I think we need to have a project, which is why um, I'm quite vocal about having company come in as our next manager. I think that would be a brilliant project. The only issue with me is is that I think that he'll always have like one eye on that city job once Pep goes. I think that that will be his ultimate goal. Um, I mean, I loved the football we played under Pochettino, and um, he actually got sacked on my birthday. Oh no! Literally, <laughs> literally, like while the cake was coming out at my birthday dinner, <laughs> my brother checked Twitter like Davina Poch got the sack, and I got the picture of my reaction and everything. Uh, people are calling for him to come back, but I think. I think it's too soon. Nothing's going to change with like our ownership and things like that. I think we need a project to be able to build from the ground up. I also think we need to get rid of, I'd say, 60% of our squad. Not good enough to be playing um, for a club that is should be challenging for like Champions League football every year. <laughs> should be like a solid top three, top four team. I mean, like you said, our stadium is beautiful. Yeah. We just don't play beautiful football. Like it's been painful this whole season. Even the wins that we have grinded out, it's not the kind of football that I'm used to us playing. And there's just such a disconnect with like the fans, the managers, the players. Like no one seems happy. I'm going to Newcastle away this week. That's the that's a, like five and a half hour, six hour round trip on a Sunday against like, Newcastle, who maybe not playing great, but. They lost on the weekend. We could have had a chance to capitalize on that. We didn't. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I just want some direction, which we don't seem to have at the minute. Hopefully, that gets solved over the summer. Yeah, hopefully it does. Um, in terms of the Poch one, you you can hear them singing about Poch in the mm-hmm. same, even in games when you're winning. Um, so I'm, I'm sure. Um, my only worry with that is, as you say, nothing's gonna. If nothing has changed since when he got fired. You know, he was complaining about, you know, signings and recruitment, stuff like that. I don't see how any of that has changed. Has know, so he'll be coming back to the same situation. But in terms of company, I think that's a great shout. And personally, I would look at it in the sense of even if he has that eye on the City job, City are about winning titles. They're not going to bring in a manager that can't guarantee them titles. So mm. he's going to have to prove himself at Spurs. So he, he, it's not like he's going to phone it in for a couple of years and then step up. No, City will just go pay a manager instead of bringing, you know, a company to come to come in. So he will be motivated to, to perform if mm-hmm. he really does want that that City job. So I, I think that could be a, an interesting shout. But you've been stalling enough now. 
<laughs> let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get to bake it or burn it. Uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, thank you for listening. Um, basically, the rules are this. I'm going to put 15 seconds on the clock here. Uh, you're going to try and answer all five questions in each of the five rounds before the 15 seconds runs out. I'll read out each question. You're going to shout bank it if you think the scenario is going to happen, or you're going to shout burn it if you think it's not going to happen. The current leaderboard at the moment, um, we have Jake Jackman. He has 18 out of 25. Guy Drinkle in both his attempts got 16 out of 25. And as I say, executive producer Guy Drinkle, which is why it's controversial that he's even in this competition. And, and, and the reason we don't want him to win this one, well, me, the suits upstairs, everyone else, bar Guy Drinkle, don't want him to win it. He was in the lead at one point with the 16 out of 25. He had booked a parade. At his hometown, he was going to buy a giant trophy that was going to just destroy our budget for next season. We weren't sure we were going to have a podcast next season because he was going to have fireworks and everything. He, <laughs> he was he was taking it too far, basically. Um, so we've had to rein him in. Uh, Riley has got 16 out of 25. Uh, Jackie, last week she came in, got 15 out of 25. She got 5 out of 5 for the last game. Um, it's just the earlier ones, I think... Um, I think she got two out of five for the first one and the second one. Those ones dragged her down. But it, she picked up momentum as as the the fixtures went on. And 15 out of 25, respectful for your first effort. Um, your fixtures are Arsenal versus Southampton, Fulham versus Leeds, Brentford, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Leicester versus Wolves. Your questions are A, over 850 total passes, B, less than 35 clearances, C, over three yellow cards, D, a headed goal, and E, fist pump goal celebration. Have you got all of that, and are you ready? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I think I'll be all right. I, I have faith. I've got to back myself. Okay. No pressure. Um, yeah, no, uh, let's go. As, uh, Arsenal versus Southampton. Um, your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Thank Less than 35 clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Bank. Headed goal. Bank. First bump goal celebration. Bank. Oh, it's a clean sweep of banks. All right. Yeah. That's a great way to start. With time to spare as well, mm-hmm. I'll let the clock run out, you know, for for completeness sake. Mm-hmm. But how did you feel about that? That, that seemed quite easy. Like we said, we're talking about first place versus rock bottom of the Premier League. So um, I think it will be like Arsenal domination in that game. A um, little bit of fight back. But if Southampton do get a goal, I do think this pump goal celebration incoming. It has to be. They have yeah. to. They have to. Um, all right. Fulham versus Leeds United. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned closest teams towards you. Fulham's probably the closest team to where I stay. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I do not support Fulham. <laughs> Good choice. Um, all right, Fulham versus Leeds. All right, your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Ben. Less than 35 clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Bank. Head of goal. Ben. First time goal celebration. Ben. Burn. All right. Good shout. Um, yeah, there was. I remember the one episode Riley when he had his effort. He predicted a nil nil and then still banked. One of the goals celebrate. I think you could tell he, as soon as he did it, he 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 regretted it, and he mentioned that such afterwards. But Brentford versus Aston Villa. I don't think you have to worry about about that happening to you in this one. You've predicted a three-one win for Aston mm-hmm. Villa. Let's see how that um, shapes your predictions here. Your time starts now. Over eight hundred fifty total passes. Bank. Less than thirty-five clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Burn. Headed goal. Bank. Fist bump goal celebration. Bank. Interesting. Did you have a player in mind when you were thinking of the headed goal? Or not really? Mm. Not really. I thought that Brentford could get a goal from a corner set piece. Yeah. But um, no, I don't have one in mind. No, I not one in mind. Not one of the two Watkins goals. Mm. You've got banked in there. Mm. Nah, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm going for a Watkins-headed goal. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. All right, two more to go. Crystal Palace versus Everton. 
uh, your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Ban. Less than 35 clearances. Ban. Over three yellow cards. Ban. Head of golf. Bank. Ah, first time golf celebration. Ban. I thought you were going to go the reverse of your first effort. Mm, all burns. All burns. <laughs> burn, baby, burn. All right. The last one, Leicester versus Wolves. You breezed past this. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Your time starts now. Over 850 total passes. Ban. Less than 35 clearances. Bank. Over three yellow cards. Bank. Head of golf. Ban. Fist pump goal celebration. Ban. Burn to end it off. All right. Yeah. How, how did you feel about that? I mean, you, you blitzed it. Um, time wasn't an issue. Seemed quite confident with your answers. I sort of think about like how big the game is. When you think about like fist pump goal celebration, like is it worth is it a game worth like that amount of adrenaline to be <laughs> yeah. actually like do you know what I mean? Like if it's a dead game, like like Leicester versus Wolves, like no offense to any Leicester fans or Wolves fans watching, I don't think it's a big enough occasion to warrant maybe like a fist pump goal celebration. And even if Leicester do get a result, like you're fighting relegation. Like That's true. You want to grab the ball and try and, and try and yeah, get one exactly. Ball, so like you, there's unless you're winning like four one, like it's, yeah, I don't think it's a big enough uh, occasion to warrant like a, a fist pump goal celebration. And it's also like where your team is, what you're fighting for. So in terms of that, yeah. Also like how much I think a team is going to dominate. I think there has to be one team absolutely dominating. If I think there's going to be 850, over 850 total passes, I think it's, if, it's, if it's a pretty equal game, I would burn that one. But um, yeah, those are, those are some cool stats to be thinking about. Like, it's not always that... I always think about headed goals. Yeah. I, li I like a good headed goal. And that's quality. That is. I love it. Also, I love watching them live. But um, yeah, again, with the occasion thing about the three yellow cards, is it going to be a feisty game? Are there some unhinged players? Like, got to think about it like that yeah. yeah if you've got romero playing a game i mean you kind of want to put a, a, a over three yellow card because he's certainly oh, yeah, getting 100%. one he's certainly getting yeah one. yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> but yeah um i thought you played that well uh other celebrations that have been on is like knee slide golf celebration i mm. think weather comes into it then if it's raining yeah it's also it's, it's not that common anymore mm. like i don't we don't see that many knee slide celebrations i mean like Jack Grealish does a few. I think Sun did one uh, last week against Brighton when he scored his scored his hundred. I think he did a new slide. Um, but it's not it's not that common anymore. Yeah, and I, that's that's a bit upsetting because those again really iconic ones to to watch. You think of the Drogba knee slides that go on yeah. for like ten hundred years. The Henri um, knee slides. <laughs> yeah, all the teams that are not Spurs. I, yeah. I was trying to think of another famous. I mean, knee Harry, slide and I, I was mean, thinking. I mean, Harry Kane. Does a, does a fist yeah. pump as well, so we'll see. No, we'll see. All right, but well played to that one. Um, you can tell I've been trying to stall having to talk about Liverpool. Uh, it's Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Look, Nottingham Forest beat Liverpool last time out. Yep. Um, so I guess for Liverpool, it's a revenge game. I don't know what Liverpool turns up for this game. Obviously, we haven't seen their game against Leeds at time of recording, so we don't know what team turns up for that one as well but mm -hmm. it's a game at home Liverpool should win I, I don't think they're playing well at the moment it, I can see a clunky 2-1 win um, I'm not confident them, with them at the back at the moment but um, yeah i am gone with a 2-1 Liverpool win and that's partly in mind because I know I, I, I think I predicted either a Liverpool loss or a Liverpool draw for the Leeds game um, mm -hmm. on last week's episode just because the, the level of performance Liverpool showed in the second half against Arsenal, I don't think they're going to repeat that again. That was a game where mm. their egos were bruised. They have to react in the second half. Um, it's one of those, okay, we're not where we were, but we're certainly not going to get embarrassed at our own ground type of performances. Leeds, it's away from home. I don't think the players are going to be as motivated. You hope, as professionals, they will be motivated to play the game and, and handle it professionally, but I think we've seen this season that Liverpool players know they're not achieving much this season. And mm -hmm. it's it's shown what their performance is, that they're sort of just phoning it in for most of the season. Um, but yeah, in this game, I think they get the 2-1 win. It's not going to be pretty, but I guess at least it's a win. In terms of top four hopes, I haven't given us a chance for top four since about like 
November personally, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is a while ago. Um, I just, as I said, I haven't thought. I, I thought at the beginning of the season in terms of title predictions, I thought we didn't do enough in the transfer window. I thought um, then when we got into the season, the players looked like they knew the team hadn't done enough in the transfer window. So I ruled out the title contentions. Then then by, by November, it was clear that this team isn't doing much this season. So hopefully they sort it out next season. Nottingham Forest, I mean, their injury list is, is like a starting lineup at the moment. Yeah. It's absolutely horrendous. I mean, if, if it's one thing getting injuries if you're near the top of the table or a bigger team that can sort of swallow those injuries and, and be able to still field a, a competitive team. But if you're, if you're a promoted team and you've got like 11, 12 injuries, that's absolutely massive. Um, so I think that's played a huge factor in their performances. But how are you feeling about this Liverpool-Nottingham Forest game? I guess maybe you don't want Liverpool to win this one. Um, what do they get? A 7% chance of making top four by Sky? Yeah, I, I, I saw that. Yeah, I, saw I thought that, that yeah. was generous. I was like, oh, was, I'll take I mean, that. <laughs> I mean, we went down to like six. Yeah. We went down. I mean, by that calculation... Liverpool have a better chance of getting top four than us. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Liverpool are going to come away with, I'd say, 3-1 win. And I say that because we beat Nottingham Forest, so Liverpool could definitely beat Nottingham Forest. <laughs> Again, with the injury thing, I remember at the beginning of the season when Nottingham Forest went on, like, like, they just started signing every player under the sun that was available and everyone was laughing at them, but clearly it was necessary. <laughs> yeah. Because um, if they didn't, and they wouldn't even have a starting eleven to field. So, um, yeah, I think, like you said, going back to the point about Liverpool having fight, they are such big game players. Like, they'll always turn up for a game against, like, the big six, top six. And I watched that game in a house full of Liverpool fans, and I embraced Liverpool as my own team. Yeah. Like, in the second game, like, even Trent, like, the, the contrast in like the first half and second half, it was brilliant in the second half. We were like, yeah, Trent, man of the match. We were like buzzing for him, and we were like, we've got a score, we've got a score. That fight that Liverpool have in that second in that second half was brilliant. I mean, aside from like the pen miss and stuff like that, but it was. Why can't they have that fight in every game? Mm. I I feel the same way when Tottenham beat like Manchester City. Like, why do we do that? And then lose to Wolves, and then yeah. draw against Everton, draw against Southampton. But I think Liverpool, another one of those teams, very inconsistent, um, can't string together a good run of positive results, which is why I'm not saying Liverpool for top four. I think top four is pretty much set with United and Newcastle. Um, they're in with a chance with Europa League. Um, I don't think you want Conference League football. Uh, having haven't been there, um, I think it's just a waste. Um, it would be nice to win, but other than that, I think it's just uh, additional fixtures that you don't really need in your calendar. Concentrate on winning things like the FA Cup or um, the Carabao Cup. But yeah, revenge fixture, I think you guys have more than enough of, of quality to beat them. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say that you guys will win because you'll probably pip Tottenham um, for a Europa League spot, but yeah, I think it's pretty much all written. But I think three one, three one win. Yeah, and it, it's definitely first world problems, sort of mm. shunning some of the European competitions. But yeah, I, I think the problem for me is I know Klopp will take it seriously, and you'll have guys like Salah and Van Dijk playing in in the Conference League for no reason. Like they they shouldn't be playing there unless it's it's the final. Then mm-hmm. okay, they but Klopp seems to just play players. Um, it's almost like a pride thing for him that, no, we have to be respectful and play a competitive team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think it will be detrimental to trying to get back into a title race next season or, you know, trying to win a trophy next season, um, a domestic trophy, if we do get into the European Conference. So if you guys want to take that one, if you want to take seventh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy <laughs> to pass that along to you guys. But let's move on to a team that is in... Europe at the moment in West Ham. They had that amazing comeback against Arsenal yesterday. They travelled to Bournemouth. Maybe it's too soon to mention them um, mm-hmm. after your, your your story a bit earlier on. But Bournemouth versus West Ham. 
before yesterday, I thought this could be a game that Bournemouth go into feeling confident. They've had, you know, three wins in their last five games. They probably take this one against a West Ham side that still doesn't know their best starting eleven. Mm -hmm. still doesn't yeah. look like a, a squad that has any sort of harmony. Yet, they're one of the only clubs that have kept their manager that are in the bottom half at the moment. So, it, it's been weird to watch them this season. But, as I mentioned, the fight back yesterday, they look dead and buried. They get that penalty in the first half that I think saves them, so to speak. If they go mm -hmm. in 2-0 at halftime, I don't think they, they have the same level of comeback. But, um, yeah, going 2-1, it gives them a puncher's chance. Uh, ends 2-2 for them. Vital point in terms of looking at their fight to stay up. They're on 31 points. You'd imagine four, maybe five more points, and, and they'll be safe. So probably a game that they're targeting. But then equally for Bournemouth, if they win this game, they'll be on 36 points. You'd, you'd imagine that that's enough to stay up with, with the way teams are playing at the bottom of the Premier League. But yeah. how do you see this game go? It could actually be quite an interesting game if the second half West Ham turn up um, against a Bournemouth side who I said they, they at least make games competitive. They, they make it tough to beat them um, of mm -hmm. late. Uh, we suffered defeat to them as well, so don't, don't feel too bad um, in that sense. But yeah, how do you see this game going? I think reflecting on like how West Ham play, again, I think that they are a team which turn up against big teams. Uh, they always have, I think again, West Ham are a team that has a big ego and if they feel like we can't let like a Liverpool or an Arsenal or a Manchester United or I'd say Tottenham, but uh, get away with, you know, going away with this like dominating performance and they are a team which will fight back until the very last minute. I mean, I can't even think about how many times they've come back against us. So they're watching them yesterday, reflecting on that game. That was brilliant as a Spurs fan. I mean, I've never said come on you irons before in my life. <laughs> in my life. And I tweeted it and people were sort of screenshotting it and saying to me like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay, guys. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing. Um, but Bournemouth, again, also have a fighting spirit. I mean, I'd say that they're good at holding on to leads, but they're not because, I mean, if you think about back to the Arsenal game, but they do get... they they get some good results and I think they're fighting um, their spirit is um, very good I, I was finding it tricky to think about how this game was going to go down and I, and I was reflecting on it before I came on today because of their, their performance on Saturday I mean a pretty equal game I mean Bournemouth have what three wins in their last five I think yeah. and um yeah, it's start, starting to build on that, you know, just like try, try to stay up in the Premier League, which would be quite good for them. They're a team I don't mind if they do stay up. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty fair game, I think. Also very similar in terms of form in the last five games. I think Bournemouth just have like a draw um, as well, but otherwise pretty similar in form. Um, yeah, I think it will be one of the closer games this week, this weekend, yeah. Yeah, I've I've reflected that. I I went one 0 Bournemouth. Mm. Um, I think I, I'm not sure West Ham can give that same second half performance in this game against Bournemouth. As, as you mentioned, big game hunters. Um, I don't know if the players will have it in them to be as motivated against That's Bournemouth. The thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Bournemouth's graft is just going to grind out a one 0 win for me. Mm -hmm. But again, it could be. I know that they're both above the relegation zone, but I mean, they're just, I think West Ham are 15th, Bournemouth 14th. Yeah. So, um, I don't think it's a big enough occasion to warrant like a really motivating performance from either side. So, I, I was going to go for a 1-1 one, one or a 2-1, but I'm not sure which team's going to come out with the win. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to our last game of the week and it's been set up mm -hmm. and built up really really nicely a game you are going to yes. uh, Newcastle versus Tottenham at St James's Park now I'll set the scene it's two teams that are fighting for that top four spots Newcastle currently have that fourth spot 
they've got a game in hand on Tottenham, but they're on 56 points. Spurs are on 53 points. Is this one of those inverted commas proverbial six pointers that people yes. like to point out? Um, and dare I say, what version of Tottenham turns up for this one against a, a Newcastle side who surprisingly didn't turn up against Aston Villa? I, I don't know if they weren't expecting that performance from Villa and it kind of shook them a bit. But if if I'm Spurs and I'm looking at the way Villa played, very solid defensively with dangerous counter-attacking, I'm, if I'm Harry Kane, I'm going and shaking Kulisevsky and saying, mate, if there's a game for you to turn up, this is it. You on the counter-attack, when their full-backs go up, they've got really slow centre-backs. If we've got Son, we've got you, we've got me on the counter-attack. This should be enough to see us get a result here. And then, equally, with as much gusto, I'm turning to the defenders and saying, don't screw this up for me. Because we can get the goals in this game, but the unforced errors for Spurs' defence is just killing them at the moment. Seriously, the story of our life, like individual errors, FC, that's who we are. It's just... It's painful because even like reflecting on the game on Saturday, the first 20 minutes we played very well. I don't think we capitalised on, on the amount of opportunities that we had. I mean, even that Richarlison miss towards the end of the game, I, it was in, hurt me, hurt me like on a different level. But yeah, it, it's definitely a six pointer. I think it's our running also. I think we, we've got to play United, we've got to play Liverpool, we've got to play Villa. We're playing teams that are all very very close to us and even if we want to be within a shout of top four we need to be getting a result on on Sunday and uh, like you said I don't know what what Tottenham is going to turn up I mean I think there is only one version of Tottenham and we any win that we've had and I say the last five games has been out of luck if you think about like the Forest win the Brighton win I don't think we've played Amazingly, we just have very good finishes in Sun and Kane. And then again, obviously, you were there at the Brighton game. So don't know how we got away with that one. But uh, I am dreading it, honestly. I, I I was thinking of not going, but I haven't been to St. James's Park. So take it off the list, you know, visit, yeah. all, the, <laughs> visit all the grounds. But um, yeah, I think... One of the very main reasons that I'm going is it could be like some of the last days that we watch Harry Kane in his first shirt. So that's that's really motivating me to go to all the games. We've got nothing to play for apart from maybe scratching top four. But um, it'll be, I think it'll be a good game. Newcastle, when they're on their game, are brilliant. They play some beautiful football. And sometimes I just sit there like, wish that was us. But um, yeah, I think, in terms of Tottenham, what we need to fix, our defenders need to communicate with each other. We need to, like, I don't know what to do about Perisic. I know he wants out at the end of the season, but he, I saw a stat on Twitter this morning that he made, like, a record number of crosses and um, not one of them, or, like, very, 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 like, single percentage number of them actually reached a Tottenham player. <laughs> he, oh, wow. he, Yeah, he made, like, a record number of crosses and it's just, like, yeah, it's it's atrocious, and yeah, it's just. I hope our midfield turns up. I mean, Kulisevsky. Some I think someone needs to start a conversation over there because since coming back from injury, apart from like the rest that he had over the Christmas break when he was injured and stuff like that, he's not. I don't think he's come back as as good of a player that he was. I think Tottenham season kind of capitulated after. When Tanko got injured, I mean, he was like the, the shining star of our team. I, I love him. My brother has him on the back of his shirt. I've got Richarlison, which I think I'm a jinx of because I bought it after he scored his first goal in the Champions League. And since then, nothing. Oh. But, um, yeah, I think it might, might be worth playing Dan Juma. He was he was quite good when he when he came on on, on Saturday. Uh, really felt that fight from the team. But, like I was saying earlier, I just think we're very there's there's no like collective pride playing for Tottenham right now. There's not like a team spirit, 
and again no manager no director of football we don't kind of know where we're going into next season whether Harry Kane's staying sort of <sighs> I, I do think we're going to lose though oh no don't end the podcast like that yeah what's uh, the prediction 3-2 oh. at least it's a fun game yeah, um, it's a fun game, but I think we will lose. <laughs> oh, that would be heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, look, from my perspective in terms of this one, I do think it's probably going to be game of the weekend, uh, mm-hmm. looking at the fixtures, and it, it sets up nicely that it is the last game of the weekend. A lot to play for. As I said, I think if Spurs can just avoid the unforced errors from defenders, they have enough firepower in Kane and Son to see this game out. I think... If they can just fix their transition counter-attacking, because I'm, I'm imagining that Bruno Gamarash is going to be on Kane the entire yes. game, or someone's going to be on Kane when he drops deep. So it's going to need Son or Kulisevsky to be the outlet. And Son is the one that uh, sort of stretches the defensive line. So he plays on the shoulder. So that means Kulisevsky is going to be the one that's going to have to be the point of uh, of. of initial mm-hmm. contact when when transitioning that's why I'm, I'm hoping he has a good game otherwise it's going to be a long afternoon um yeah i'm worried from a midfield perspective um that newcastle midfield looks really good the spurs yeah, we one have, we have way bad yeah because I, I i i was one of those who was on the bandwagon of Hoiberg when we were like oh he's our viking like, he's a he's brilliant like plays for the badge but now i'm <laughs> This season, I'm sort of like, why is he ball watching? Why is he just afraid to defend? Like, especially the last goal Bournemouth scored, like last minute, he just stood there. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid to put your? Ah, oh, it was. I'm not over it. I'm still really angry. Like I even woke up the next day and I was fuming. And yeah, we have Hoiberg. I mean, Skip. I love Ollie Skip. I mean, I think he's class. I think he is like a future Tottenham captain. But Hoiberg is a. I think he's a bit of a liability. Yeah. So that that they they might have to bypass the midfield, because um, I don't see them running through Newcastle's midfield from that perspective. But yeah, it will be an interesting game. We'll see how it turns out. In terms of score predictions, I've gone with a two-two draw because mm. I do think on the counter attack, especially if they can expose the Newcastle defenders in the way that Aston Villa did. Okay. Son might not have the strength of Ollie Watkins, but what Ollie Watkins did in terms of running in behind, Son's got the pace for that. He's got the ball-carrying ability. And I, I fancy Son in a race against any of the Newcastle back four. Mm-hmm. Um, and Newcastle are the home team, so they're going to be on the offensive. They're going to want to dictate the, the way the game goes. I just think Son's going to enjoy playing in this game. And, and he's scored a couple of goals now recently. Yes. Um, which is coming at the right time. I just worry if, if Kulisewski can hold his own. If Danjuma comes in there, it could be an interesting story. But yeah, that's going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Davina, do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um, yeah, go and follow me on Twitter, uh, Davina underscore THFC. Um, I'm, I, I live on Twitter, so uh, prepare, prepare for your timelines to be flooded. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, looking forward to seeing you there. Awesome stuff. Uh, guys, from my end, go and check out all the content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for. Uh, of course, there's the daily podcast show. It's a two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Finally, also check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL and as I mentioned last week went to the Brighton Spurs game Kev was there he was down from the US so got to hang out with him as well which was pretty cool uh, go and follow this show's Twitter page at Attack Predictable go follow at EPL Index on Twitter subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast channel providers give us five stars write positive comments if you feel so inclined those things really do help us out I've been Tadio Chinakira. You can find me on Twitter at TadPredicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. 
He's at Guy Drink on Twitter. I think he's on holiday at the moment. Um, so I hope he's enjoying that. Uh, she's been Davina. She's at Davina underscore THFC. And remember, she's in Gaperi. She's not sure. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still the beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it's Wood. Martinelli gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Podcast Network.